Say this, we are ministers of the Spirit. <laughs> Say it again, we are ministers of the Spirit. We are in step with the Spirit of God. Glory to God. Alright, welcome to church everyone. How's your week? It's been three days I saw some of you last and I'm already missing some of you. Hallelujah. Rita, how are you? It's good to see you. Big man, how are you? What's the name? Sorry? Elijah. <laughs> Powerful name. <laughs> Abi. <laughs> Glory to God. Are you ready for the word today? Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Oh. We know that the entrance of your word gives light. We are elevated in our spirits. Light and understanding is coming to us. We are better off. The questions on our hearts are answered. The burdens on the heart of people. And if you are in that category, I want you to, at this time, put your hand on your chest. And everyone just close your eyes. Because we said, the Spirit of the Lord is here. Our hands are an extension of yours, and there is peace being restored to troubled hearts. There is peace being restored to troubled hearts. I know you are looking for an answer, but He wants to give you peace. I know you want to find a way, but He wants to give you peace. And so we are able to trust you even when we don't know the way. Because we know there is peace for us and there is a way for us. Thank you Heavenly Father. You see I receive healing, I receive peace. Right now, in Jesus name. In Jesus name we pray. Alright, we are studying the book of Ephesians. And <laughs> what you are expecting? How many of you <laughs> have read the book of Ephesians this week? Signify by a show of hands. Give Jesus a wiper. He will give you a car in return. You read half. You read like F. F for F. Chapter 1 to 3. So, how many of you have done half? <laughs> wow. Wisdom. Have you read the book of Ephesians? <laughs> Oh, glory to God. You should read the book. It's such a powerful book. It's such a powerful book. It actually is. How many of you have listened to the sermon Prosperity of the Gospel? <laughs> Ruth, I like the fact that you are laughing. <laughs> Alright. Um, let me say this. So, the book of Ephesians, let's go right, dive right into it. This poster is fine, isn't it? Ah, so beautiful. It's always fine shape. The color. 
is me. That see, people that read Ephesians, do you understand? <laughs> Alright. The book of Ephesians. Let me give you a brief history of the city of Ephesus. A brief history um, of the city of Ephesus. And it's important to know this because it gives context to everything you want to learn. That's one. And more than giving context to what you want to learn, it helps you understand how it applies to you. Praise the Lord. Because, listen, listen, as a good Bible student, one of the things you must do is first of all understand that every book of the Bible was written in a particular context. Meaning there was something that... And you cannot properly understand any statement, any phrase, any story in the Bible if you take it outside its context. As a matter of fact, you can't understand anything that anyone says outside of its context. I'll give you examples. For example, months ago, last year, there was a movement, a protest, and the tag was NSAS. Remember it? And there was a five-point agenda that was meant to be carried out in that NSAS movement. Can you remember? If you check part of that agenda, you see that equipping the police is part of the agenda. How many of you remember? It means NSAS does not mean, you know, eliminate them, but equip them, reorient them so that they will do what they ought to be doing. Do you get what I'm saying? Some of you are already protesting. Calm down. <laughs> Praise God. So, in, so, the phrase might not capture everything that is meant. Do you understand? If you just take it literally like that, you think this is what it means. But it, it's, it has an agenda it's trying to accomplish. Let me give you another example. Um, I think it's a figurative example. A man was praying in a room and another man passed through the room. And at the moment when he passed through the room, he heard the man praying and wailing and saying, God, make my daughter feel pain. And then the man looked and says, such a wicked man. I'm sure God will not answer his prayer. Very, very wicked. What did small girl do to him? But upon further investigation, he realized that the lady, his daughter, the man's daughter had nervous breakdown. If she stepped on a nail, she would not know. She could bleed and keep walking. And so, in the context, when you study the context of the prayer, you realize he was a loving father that wanted to preserve her life and not someone that wanted to punish her. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so, when you read a story in the Bible, you must understand it in its own context. And then, you don't stop there. You apply it to your own context. Do you get what I'm saying? And so, the, book, this, this, the city of Ephesus was a very, very idolatrous city. They had, a, in fact, they worshipped a whole lot of gods in that city. The most popular was the Artemis god, goddess. Alright? But they had about 50 others that they used to worship. So those guys, and so because of that, pay attention, because of that, they were very, they had religious tolerance, meaning they would accommodate, oh, you don't worship Artemis, you worship this one, oh, it's fine. They, could, they were very accommodating of other religious um, worldviews. 
Do you understand? In fact, when you study properly, you realize that they were even generally very accommodating. And so, even Christianity that was against um, all that they stood for was accommodated. Praise the Lord. Hey, Kofu. How are you? It's good to see you. Praise the Lord. They were, very, they were that accommodating. So, even Christianity that wasn't, you know, at par with them, they accommodated. It means there was one temptation. Christians could decide to mix Christianity with those other religions and think it was okay. So, now, Paul had come to... Um, interestingly, do you know that you might not understand the book of Ephesians very well if you don't read Acts 19. So let's go to Acts 19. Acts 19 is where Paul actually... So Paul was the one that ministered to them in, in, um, in Ephesus. And then after he ministered to them in Ephesus, things scattered. Then he had to... He was um, incarcerated. He was put in prison. I was taken away. Um, oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Look at it. It says, um, Acts chapter 19, verse 1. While Apollos... Was at Corinth. Interestingly, there's a God in Ephesus called Apollo. <laughs> Very interesting. When Apollos was at Corinth, Paul <laughs> Paul took the road through the inner, the interior, and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, "Did you receive the Holy Ghost when you believed?" I'm going to explain this portion next month in in, his, in the teaching series of teaching next month. Very, very interesting. When you believe, they answered no. Verse 3. So Paul asked, Then what baptism did you receive? They said, John's baptism. And then Paul said, John baptized. John's baptism was unto repentance. Well, I actually just wanted you to know that he got to Ephesus in chapter 1, in verse 1. Now, when you move down, you see that in verse 7 he says, there were 12 men. In verse 8 he says, he entered into the synagogue and began to speak boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. You know, and there some were obstinate and refused to believe. And then he moved on. Alright. So a whole lot of things happened there. When you jumped to verse 11, you saw, I'm showing you, the things, the trajectory of the ministry in Ephesus. When you jump to verse 11, it says, God did extraordinary miracles through the hands of Paul, so the handkerchiefs and apron were sticking to the sick. And then when you jump to verse 13, he says, some Jews who were around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord over those who were demon oppressed. So there were people that were demon oppressed in Ephesus. Paul did not bring demons and put it on the people of Ephesus and then cast them out. No. These people practiced religions that got demons into them. And so Paul was taking the demons out of them. Alright. But here's what you need to know. It showed that the religion they practiced had an influence. It was demonic. In fact, I've told you before, this guy practiced magic. Magic was their religion. See, I think popular day Christianity don't understand what's happening. I think we are, we, we are playing too much. So, if, if you were to be sent on missions now and you went to a city like Ephesus, you either not go to a place where they have literal demon activities, where it was the religion they were practicing. Forget what they were doing in our, in our, in our villages. These guys had books. 
where they had incantations where you can learn. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't reserved for Babalawo alone. It was everybody was a Babalawo. Do you understand? And so you come, they had the book, you would learn it, you can chant it, you can invoke spirits. So these guys received spirits, and by those spirits they did miraculous things. Praise the Lord. These guys were very conscious of demon spirits. And if you, I wish you'd read the book of Ephesus very well. Do you realize it's in, in the book of Ephesians, um, in Ephesians that Paul said in Ephesians chapter two, verse one, he said, "You who at time past were, you know, dead." He says, "You had the spirit at work in the children of disobedience." Ephesians chapter two, verse one. Give me. Let me read from verse one and two. Look at it. Ephesians chapter two. Oh, by the way, do you know that Paul taught about power in the book of Ephesians more than any of his other epistles? It was because it was a thing in Ephesus. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1. It says, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, obviously, verse 2. He said, you used to live in sin. You, Ephesus, used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the power of the unseen world. These guys were obeying the devil. They were led by spirits. Do you understand? He was at work in them. The Bible says, He was a spirit at work in your heart. Praise the Lord. And so, Ephesus was a tough terrain to be at. Because not only did you have to know the gospel, you have to walk in the power of the gospel. Yeah. You couldn't joke in Ephesus. You had to walk Walking in, walking, listen, for Ephesus, walking in power went beyond doing miracles, healing the sick. You had to cast out devils. And those devils were not smiling. Some guys wanted to try and see if they were smiling. There were some seven sons of a priest of Skeva. The Bible says the demon oppressed pounced of them and chased the guys out naked. Seven guys. You, the demons were not playing with you. Now, listen, listen, and this is where you should pay attention. Did you know that if the seven sons of Sceva did not try what they tried, they probably wouldn't have known that that guy was oppressed of a demon, or they wouldn't have seen that kind of manifestation of demon before. What I'm saying is this. There might be people around our lives that are oppressed or possessed of demons, and we do not know. Even, maybe worse, there are situations around our lives that might be a result of demon spirits, and we do not know. And so, what we are studying in this Bible study today is to take your spiritual life off the joke level. It's not vibes. You need to walk in the power of God. Vision is not luxurious. Sometimes you wake up in the night and in a flash vision, the Lord will give you instructions. Listen, can I tell you something? Discernment is such a powerful ability in your spirit, you shouldn't play with it. With discernment, you know that there are prayer points you should pray now and you cannot move it for later. Because the lives of people are dependent on them. There are times you know you have to wait on the Lord. Can I tell you something? There are times you have to know that you might have to cancel some schedules to pay attention to, just give some spiritual devotion. Know that the happenings in your life, you don't know anything about it. Things shouldn't just be taking you by surprise. One time, Paul was going to preach somewhere. Do you even know how he came to Ephesus? He didn't plan to. They were not planning to go there. They wanted to go somewhere else. And then in a vision, he heard someone say he should come. Supernatural leading. Praise the Lord. And so listen to me. Listen to me. You shouldn't at every point in time, you should know what the Spirit of God is having you to do. Many of us are just led by happenstance. 
And that's why we started by saying we are ministers of the Spirit. We are ministers of the Spirit. So you know where you should be. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You look at a situation and you discern that the devil is responsible, you handle it. You don't run away. This is what we're learning from Ephesus. And so, listen, demonic stuff here in Ephesus was practical. It wasn't play. And everybody was involved. Athemis was such a strong goddess. They had a month, a full month, that was named after her. And they were, they were celebrated. It had such a strong influence. It had influence even on the economy. Like, that goddess was so strong that the cult, just the cult group that subscribed to her was the one in charge of savings and loan. It was that rich. It was the bank of the day. Praise the Lord. And so, when Paul came, as you can, you will see in Acts chapter 19 where we are reading, and these people began to leave that religion, that cult group, your position was fierce. It I can't remember the amount we said again, but I think it was millions of dollars when you convert. So the people bought their queer acts, their books of magic. The Bible said they burnt everything. They had, you know, idols. Do you know that's why they chased Paul out of the city? Because the economy was being affected. The religion in that city had a strong influence on the economy. So the silversmith that would mold the goddess and give it to you, do you understand? We're not getting market again. It was affecting the economy. They chased him out of the city. Praise the Lord. That's called influence. Listen, many of us, our spiritual lives are just about us. Just me, my friends, my family, vibes, and that's all. You have to wake up. You have to actually get serious. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You have to get serious. And that's what we're learning in Ephesus. You must understand the gospel. You must understand its application. I've told you before. And you must understand the implication. The implication of the gospel is that you cannot believe in any other thing that opposes it. Do you understand? The application, part of the application is that you walk in the power of God. Many believers are outrightly scared of cultists. And demo- it just a witchcraft. It just a spirit is responsible. That's the end. They've locked out. Do you understand? Some of you are even scared to defend that a spirit is responsible for a situation. Some of you doubt even when the spirit of God tells you a spirit is responsible for this situation. Do you realize you heal the sick and cast out devils? You don't heal someone that is oppressed of the devil. You don't. So can I tell you something? If you've been praying for a situation that a demon spirit is responsible for, you are joking. There's a reason. Do you know that there's a reason why there's such a, an ability in your spirit called descending of spirits? It's not, it's not something you don't need. Listen, God doesn't just give us things to fill us up and make us feel like we have rich inheritance. He knows that if you don't cast out the demon responsible, you can't fix the situation. If you could fix the situation without casting out the demon, he won't need to put that ability in you. There's a reason why some people were sick and Jesus expelled the demon. And what you must know is that you have the ability to do it. So you want to always consistently walk in discernment. And so if you are in a city like Ephesus, you must walk in the power of God. Can I tell you something? You might not have all the year to prepare for it. You must always be prepared. Because you might walk to your friend's house and discern demon activities. And know that this family is under the siege of the devil. And you bring liberty before you leave that place. Can I tell you something you need to know? It's not difficult to expel demons. It's actually not difficult. I think it's easier to expel demons than to heal the sick. I seriously think that. And I've thought, I've I've believed this thing for at least 10 years. That it's easier to expel demons than to heal the sick. Because it's actually very, very simple. Praise the Lord. You must be very discerning. 
Many of us are too occupied with our own lives for God to use us. You are too occupied for God to use Like you are busy. You are unemployed, but you are busy. Your prayer life is just about you. This is why your Bible study life is low. Because you are thinking about you. It's not, listen, your, your, your spiritual life was not suited for you. It wasn't designed for just you alone. He didn't have that in mind when he said you should have a spiritual life. Have you seen when God talks to people? He always talks to them about other people. Jeremiah, Nehemiah, David, Moses, Abraham. Who did he talk to about themselves? When he said to Jeremiah, make you a mighty man of valor, is it so that he will have affluence and influence and just enjoy his life? No! Look at the rich young ruler. He told the guy, sell everything you have, give to the poor, follow me. Follow me to do what? To go and get possessions. He said, you have inheritance in heaven. Let's go and cause this message to be popular. That's the prophecy of your life. That's the mandate of your life. And if you don't understand that, you will not enjoy the book of Ephesus. I'll be efficient. Praise the Lord. And so what we see here is a community of people that, were posi- that had a whole lot of demonic activities. Now listen to me. Since last year, from almost the beginning part of last year, all through till this moment, the Lord has constantly put this inclination in me. And I don't have all the details from the natural, but this strong demonic activity in this city. Now I know... And I have some idea that even Islam cooperates a whole lot with demon spirits. And they do a whole lot of demonic... It doesn't look like it if you don't know very well. Yeah. But it is. Now, you meet the Anephesus. The power of God available is for three things. I want you to write it down. Huh? Should I start from there? No, let me not start from there. Let me start from Ephesians chapter 1. Since we are doing a Bible study. Ephesians chapter 1. So, um... There was a whole lot happening in Ephesus. And I've given you an idea. And I've told you that you are where? Sorry? Uh-huh. If you like to say God forbid, it cannot be Ephesus. <laughs> oh. Ephesians chapter 1. I'm going to speed read from verse 1 to verse 19. But let me tell you what Paul did there. What Paul did was simple. So, because these guys had an, a history of idolatry, he establishes in their hearts that God has a purpose for your life. You are clean now. Do you understand? Because obviously, before they became believers, they didn't know. They probably thought they were worshiping the true God. But now that they know that there's a true God, they now know that oh, look, I'm dirty. We're in the kingdom of darkness. So he establishes that you are righteous and holy because of what Christ has done, and you have all of this inheritance. He has still you. You are His own. He establishes very, very strongly that you are God's possession. And this is why this is important because. There is a tendency. How many of you have ever thought you were possessed of a demon before? Loki. Just don't lie. Don't, I, 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 thank you very much. One sincere Thank you. Sincere. You see, I know that men are the ones that are sincere in this life. It's not women that are usually possessed. Okay, don't worry. <laughs> so, but really, how many of you have ever felt like maybe one demon just entered you one day? Like, thank you. Most sincere people are coming up in this church. I'm happy. What is bearing fruit in your life? Now listen. So, Paul needed to tell them something. That you are owned by God. It means the devil doesn't own you. It means he cannot stay inside you. Meaning, 
Maintenance is on God because he's the owner. So the reason why demon spirits cannot indwell you because your owner is God, he's responsible for maintaining you, doesn't mean that demon spirits cannot frustrate things in your life. It doesn't mean that. But it means they can't enter you. And any situation they want to affect, say they want to affect your health, you can easily expel them. And then again, it's easier to, to cast out devils than to heal the sick. So you can just tell them to go. If Paul, uh, what am I saying? Ephesians chapter 1 verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, I'm reading from the NIV. He says, to God's holy people in Ephesus. This is beautiful and faithful in Christ. He says, grace and peace to you from, the far, from God and our, God our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all, blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessings in Christ. I wish I had the time, but I don't have time to explain all of this. He said, He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. Say this with me. I am holy and I am blameless in His sight. So he said he chose us to be that way. Now remember that we are his possession. He owns us. He can make us the way he wants to make us. And he said he chose to make us holy and to make us blameless in his sight. That was what he chose to do. Alright? I said, um, in love he predestined us unto adoption of sonship. You see the idea he's creating. He's not telling you that you're a son of God. It invariably means that you have the DNA of God. Do you understand? You have God is God. What God has is what you have. Now He has said holy and blameless. Let's assume you are fighting with that idea. Then He says He chose to adopt you to be His son. Now remember that the way God adopted us is not the way we adopt children today. When we adopt children today, they don't now have your DNA. Do you understand? It's not like system upgrade. Change it from Android to to iOS. It cannot happen. Even if you try roots, no matter how much you try. Android is Android. <laughs> Praise Lord. But when God adopted us, what he did was this. He removed the spirit of darkness out of us and put his own spirit inside of us. That spirit that he has, his own spirit, he put, not a copy of his spirit. Not like he has plenty of his spirits. And I just picked one that was almost expiring. I put it inside wisdom. No, no, no. That's not what he did. What he did was his spirit, he put it in us. It means we have his nature. It means we have his holiness. It means we have his blamelessness. It means we are his son. What is in him is what's in us. He was the one that put it. We didn't have to work for it. And so he establishes that. He said he in love, I'm reading verse 5, we predestined us to adoption of children through Jesus Christ, alright, in accordance to the pleasure of his will, like he was happy doing it. Can you imagine that? He was happy doing it. He said, to the praise of his glorious grace, where which he had freely given us. Um, verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. You see what he's saying? He's establishing that we are forgiven according to the riches of his grace, not by something we had to do. Do you see the idea is creating? Oh, I know you did terrible things in the world. He said that in verse 7, In him you have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of your sins according to the riches of his grace. God's grace is a whole lot. Then he says, according to the riches of his grace. In verse 8, he says that he lavished on us. Looks like he poured a whole lot excess on us. So, oh, your sins are great. He says he lavished his grace on us. So he is establishing a mindset that I know you were terrible.
But God wanted you to be holy. God wants you to be righteous. He adopted you as his son. He forgave you lavishly. Do you see that? In verse 10, he says to fulfill, to put into effect when the times have reached for their fulfillment, to bring unity in all things. Alright, I'm going to just keep now. Uh, verse 15, he began to pray, but I'm going to skip to verse 18. I pray. Now look at this. Are you in verse 18? Alright, verse 18. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know. And then he mentioned some things. But I want you to pay attention. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart will be enlightened. This is why it's important. Because, let me, he was, he's going to pray for them that they are conscious of the power that is at work in them. He says, um, enlightened order that you might know the hope that you've been called, the rich and glorious inheritance in the saints, and then he says, the exceedingly great power in the, end, in the KJV. Alright, that's at work in verse 19. So I'm praying that the eyes of your heart will be flooded with light. Now here's why he's saying that. He wants you to know the incomparably great power that is at work in you. He wants you to know in your heart. Because you can know it in your head and it doesn't sit in your heart. And so when the situation comes to expel a demon, you're like, ah. Or you pray and you're like, what if it doesn't happen? Now, in recent times, I've been doing research on um, Bobo. My sister thinks I should get a boomer, but I think Bobo makes more sense. She doesn't even like, I think you like, what's the name of that? Great Dane, right? Sounds like the name of a guy, doesn't it? Great Dane. <laughs> now, Boomer Steve, um, Bobo is a very strong dog. It's, it seems to be very opinionated. It has a strong personality. He wants to do what he wants to do, but he can tame it. Alright? Now, my idea is this, and this is what you should do. When you tame the dog while it's growing, then it's able to obey your command when it grows. Do you get? So it's a very big dog. His head is literally bigger than your head. There's nobody's head that's as big as a, bulb, a mature bobo's head here. It's very big. Yes, it's that. And, so the, and the body is big like the head. So I'm giving you an idea of how big the dog is. Now, I'm not going to be afraid. Now, interestingly, they even say if you want to train a bull, if you want to own a bobo, please own other dogs at first. Like, start by owning maybe a German Shepherd. When you learn how to train dogs and handle dogs before you get a bobo, because it's very opinionated, it does what it wants to do. But you can tame it. That's what I'm saying. Alright. But my idea is this if I have a bobo, I can't tell you to do something and it will not do it. Obviously, I will go through the training process to make it an obedient dog. Do you understand? But I don't plan to be scared of it. I plan that when I tell it sit down, it will sit down. Do you understand? When I tell it stand up, it will stand up. Why am I saying this? Many of us, although we know we have power in us, when the situation comes to it, we are very scared. Or some of us even try to do like we believe in the power and we say that this will happen like the seven sons of Skiva and it doesn't happen. So when you say what if it doesn't happen, it means that the eyes of your heart haven't been enlightened. So I'll help you understand it. How many of you know that fear is not learned? Is not, sorry, fear is not premeditated. You're not like, okay, so I'm going to... Um, Try to expel a demon, cast out a demon. Then, um, when it starts manifesting, um, what should I do? I think I should be afraid. How many of you realize 
shall fear is instilled. It means when the situation comes, somehow you just feel scared. That's the same thing with boldness. When the situation comes, you can feel bold. That's when the eyes of your heart are enlightened. So it's not about your head, it's about your heart. So fear is instilled, it's not premeditated. The same thing with boldness. So in that situation, it can happen and then what will come with boldness. How will that happen? What leads to that? It's that the eyes of your heart are enlightened. So when that happens to you, when you find a situation that should have made you afraid, you become bold. Juicy it. So that is why he's praying this for them. Because it comes out from you. It just, it just comes. It seems like there's a trigger and it comes out. So if you know it's in your head, it's going to fly away out of the door when the situation comes. But then when it's in your heart, when it's instilled in your heart, when you have a situation, you naturally just respond. And so this is why you would pray this prayer for yourself. And this is why he's praying this prayer for themselves. Another reason why he's praying this prayer for themselves is this. These guys have seen practical demonic activity. It's like when a cultist gets saved. Guys, he knows things. He has seen things. He has seen when they are like, let's go for, let's go and rob in Susu, please. And then just, boom, they just disappeared. They just appeared here. He has seen when they took cutlass to cut somebody and it did not penetrate. He has seen it again and again and again. He has seen them chant things and do incantation and see the thing work. He's aware of the reality of the demonic spirit. And so, when he's becoming a believer, there's a reason to fear. Because he knows those things can come and haunt him and they are not joking. He has probably seen them hunt down. They probably even sent him on a mission to go and kill someone that left. And so, it is important that we know the power that is at work in us and not just in our head. We are able to produce it. And so that when you are in a situation and you have to expel a demon or you convert, Paul is a brilliant Bible teacher, and you convert someone that is occultic or someone that is a, is a witch, you are able to be bold and instill boldness in the person. So that the person, when they come for, you know, to get the person, the person can stand. Now listen to me, for some of you, it's even members of your family, there are demonic activities in your region, from families and all of those things, that you need to combat. The eyes of your understanding have to be enlightened, so that you will know, give me verse 19, the power that is at work in you. I like the way Paul puts it. Look at verse 19 in the KJV, in the NIV. Read, want to go. And he is... You're not reading with life. And he is... I need you to read it with some... Boldness and his word for all who believe. Now, first thing you need to learn is that the power is for you who believe. The power is not traveling from heaven, coming, 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 coming. Then one prince of passion will now stop it. No, the power is in you. You go everywhere with it. When you're afraid, you're afraid with the power in you. I told you before, he showed you God's ability to fix situation and God's willingness to fix the situation. Can I tell you something? When you're in front of a situation, realize that the power that God will use to fix it is in you. And he doesn't need permission for activation. He gave it to you to use it. Do you understand? If I send you data in your phone, 
You don't say, hello, please, I want to go online now. Can I use the data that you dashed me to go online? I say, yes, you can. Is that what happens? There's a reason he gave it to you. It's to use it when you need to use it. So, he talks about the power that is for your use. And as we go down, you see that, that even much more. But guess what? He tells you that you have power. But even more than that, he tells you you have great power. Say, I have great power. Meaning, there is power and then I have great power. But then he makes it even better. He says it's an incomparably great power. Meaning, when there's a contest and you show up, you are boable, every dog bows. Let me tell you how I knew about the boable. So I traveled, I think it was two years ago, and I was in my friend's house. And his family had a mixed breed, a Caucasian and a German Shepherd. So in recent times, I started loving dogs, so I kind of know some of them. My sister loves a different breed of dogs. I don't know why. I, I, I don't get it. Some of you, you just look at dog, you know. <laughs> then, then the, there's that stupid dog. Those, you know that white, useless one that is short like this, that is to carry that dog. I'll send my dog to eat all of them. Don't worry. Let the time come. Anyways, so, his dog was a Caucasian and a German Shepherd mixed breed. Alright, and then, one day we're in the house, in the compound, then his dog was back. We're like, ah, what's happening to this dog? So I think this dog even died, I think, last year or so. So we went outside, and it was very sad. I was very hot the night. I, I knew it was going to die that night, so I, I was very sad. It wasn't by the spirit. They showed me a picture, and I knew the dog was sick. And I had an idea about animal science. I knew the dog was not going to survive it. Anyways, the dog was back in that day. Yeah, some of you are feeling sad. Miss Jensen, so rest in perfect peace. <laughs> Alright, so we went outside and realized, oh, there was another dog outside. I was like, oh, wow, big dog. Dog is like time stop, my friend's dog. So we brought it in and that's my first encounter with a bobo. I knew Boomastic, but I've seen the tennis dog. This one was big. I was like, ah, this is good. You know, and so half of my statement, I'm talking about Boabo. <laughs> this is sad. Anyways, so he brought the dog in. The dog was so big, like this height. When it started like this, it was like this height. I was like, ah, man, oh, this is nice. You know, and everything. So the guy was telling us about his bubble and said he first had a German Shepherd. Remember I told you how you, the, the trajectory. So he first had the German Shepherd. The, the German Shepherd was the king of the ring, flexing the house, feeling like it's his yard, you know, and the big dog and everything. Then he got the bubble. My friend, my brother, the German Shepherd used to take permission to back. Yes. You can, he said that the Boabu will fight till death. That they will keep fighting every day. Is it that you kill him or he will kill you? So, when the German Shepherd realized that this guy will kill me, he stopped. Like, if you come into the house, the German Shepherd will look at you. And look at Zoga. <laughs> so, he's now a pet dog in the house. <laughs> That's incomparably great power. Incomparably great power. Now, you know the interesting thing? Remember that the Bobul and the German Shepherd had to fight until one of them learns their lesson. That one has incomparably great power. Right? So, give me verse. What verse is this? I'll read verse 19, then lead me to verse 20. He said, His incomparably great power for us who believe that power is like the working of the mighty strength, verse 20, 
which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and sat him in the right hand of God. This is what happens. So, when the German shepherd and the Bobo was fighting, he hadn't given you the power. When he won the victory, and now the German shepherd has learned to respect the Bobo, he handed over the power to you. It means every time you show up, the devil sees you and respects you. Yeah, that's what he did. Glory to God. So, that's the power you go around with and fear. And they're afraid of things you can... Things are afraid of you, you are afraid of them. I go around with incomparably great power. You see that to yourself. I go around with incomparably great power. I go about with incomparably great power. When I show up, the devil is silenced. When I speak, sick bodies respond with health. You say this, I expel demons. I cast out devils out of my family. I cast out devils out of my body. I cast out devils out of situations in my life. Listen, listen. Ah, you have to learn to be sensitive. I'm not, I'm not judging you. You are changing things right now that you have understanding. So you take advantage. Now that you have the understanding, change it. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. So as soon as someone knocks on the gate, the German shepherd's reflex as a normal dog is to sit up and want to back. Then he remembers there's a bubble right there. And once Oga looks at him, he steps back. It means that there are situations in your life that the devil has tried to rig his ugly head. He wants to know if you know who you are. The bubble doesn't confirm if this guy will respond. Because if he doesn't respond to that look, that, you know that look. Everyone in Africa that is a child knows that look. If he doesn't respond to that look, he's in trouble. When I speak, Demons are mandated to respond. Let me tell you something. You know people like to say, you know, there are small demons, there are big demons, there are this one, that one, that one, that one. Story for the gods. If he's, if he's actually a high rank demon, it means he understands hierarchy. He wasn't stubborn to get up. There's such a thing as promotion for them. Did you see the guy that met Jesus? He want, part of the people that Jesus, among the Gentiles, that Jesus said he had great faith. The guy said, look, I'm a man of authority. I say to one, go, and he goes. Say to one, come, and he comes. I understand authority because I'm a man of authority. And so if the demon is high rank, he should even understand authority more. He probably was on the scene when the power was used, exerted to conquer them. So here's what the devil has been doing. All his life, he has been trying to look for Jesus. Killed Cain for no reason. Killed people in Moses' day for no reason. Killed all the children in the days of Jesus for no reason. Finally found out, this is the man in Matthew chapter 4. And then he says, if you are the son of God, do this. You know. So it was you all the while. So he focused on Jesus. Tried to kill him a couple of times. It didn't work because the Bible said it wasn't his time. Finally he caught him and hung him on the cross. You know the Bible says that if the prince of this world knew, they wouldn't have crucified the Lord of glory. Do you think he was talking about the Roman authority? That they knew that Jesus wasn't going to, you know, save them. They wouldn't have killed him. No. The devil killed Jesus and he, was, he had one goal. He had been chasing for years. Achieved the goal and realized it was a mistake. Sad stuff. And so, when they killed Jesus, he was in hell. They tried, they were like, finally, deal with him. The Bible said, having sports, principalities, and powers, he made a public show of them. And then he put that power he used to spoil them in you. As they want to show up, no stage are straight. That's it. They remember this power. You know the way that, let me say, metal gates have shocked, shocked you before. Now, you always, you always remove your face mask. You used to hold it, open the door. 
the memory can't just leave you. When you show up like this, the devil just remembered. Ah, this that's the PTSD. He has PTSD when you show up. But you, the cause of the PTSD, have PTSD. Too. So you, 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 you're running and you're running. It is by faith that you move mountains. It's not because you carry power. It's that you are able to believe. So listen, when you tell a demon spirit to go, you must believe that he has gone. PTSD, he has to move. You are not checking. The Bible doesn't check. Once he looks, he knows. He has, has sent message. When I speak, when I speak, you say, say it with me, when I speak, demons are mandated to respond. So in verse 20, he says, he exerted power when he raised Jesus from dead and set him at the right hand of God. Next verse, verse 21. He says, oh, this is beautiful. In case you are, you are thinking, oh, this demon is high. He says, far above all rules and authority and power and dominion and every name that can be evoked. If you are in Ephesus, when you hear every name that can be evoked, it calls your mind to something. These guys always evoke demons over situations. That's what their books of cruelty were used for. To carry it, to chant some things. No matter the name that anybody chants. He says, you are far above every rule, every authority, every power, every dominion, every title that can be given. Jonathan, not only in this world, but in the world to come. He says, God has placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be, heir, to be the head of all things. He says, for the church. It is for your benefit. Listen, this is a mindset to inculcate into yourself. Many of you, when you pray about things, you are checking if it has happened. No. You pray knowing that in the realm of the spirit you've changed things. Listen, can I tell you something? Let me tell you something that has hindered some of you. Some of you think you need to pray, pray, and pray, and pray, and pray before the devil now say, okay, I will. And so be taught to you according to your faith. That has been what has been happening to you. You think because a demon, listen, can I tell you something? You have such a strong authority over your own life. Meaning, if a demon spirit is responsible for something in my life, I don't need to beg him, I don't need to tell him many times. I tell him once to move, he has to move. He's mandated to obey that way. Why? Because that, listen, the power that hell could, the whole hell could not stop is what I'm trying to use. That's bullying himself. Normally, I'm bullying him. It's too much. Do you get what I'm saying? It's like you bring a lion and you bring a cat to fight. That's, he's bullying. Do you understand? Yeah. So, that's the power that's at work in you. Now, let's go to Ephesians chapter 2. And I'm going to go very fast because I'm actually out of time. But, um, look at this, verse 1. As for you, you were dead in your trespasses and sin, in which you used to live and follow the ways of this world. I'm reading from the NIV. And the rulers of the kingdom of darkness, he says, the spirit now at work in the children of disobedience. He says, you lived among them at one time, gratifying. He says, all of us, you know, lived at one time, gratifying the um, cravings of our flesh and following desires of our thoughts. And we're like the world deserving of wrath. He says, but because of the great love that God has for us, who is rich in mercy, he says, he made up our life in Christ and forgave us all our trespasses. In verse 6, he says, God raised us up with Christ and was seated in heavenly realm in order that in the coming age he might show the incomparable riches of his grace as demonstrated in us. Now let's skip to verse 14. Now, so I've handled... So, this is why I said Paul was an intelligent Bible teacher. He starts by talking about the power and how in Ephesus they were, these people were afraid of demon spirits giving them a backlash. Then 
Ephesus was also a mixture. There were Jews in Ephesus. Do you understand? There are people that converted from, um, from being Gentiles to being Jews. But there were people that were still Jews in Ephesus. And so, there was tension that was going to be in the church. You know the Jew and Gentile tension. Yeah, it was going to be in their church. Do you understand? And so, Paul addressed that issue. Now, here's how this applies to you. So, imagine if a former and ex runs gay join your church. All of you know her story. Maybe she came to church. Then, deliverance. She was now shouting. She was now saying all the things she has done. Oh, all the men she has slept with. All the ones she has fell. And, you know, when she comes back, now she doesn't know what happened. But all of you know the gist. You're like, hmm. First of all, the guys that were interested, we just lose interest. Because we're not mature in the church. Yeah, we're not. We're not. We haven't learned to see people through the lens of grace. Yeah. Like, this one is a fairly used human being. This one is a tear robber human being. We've learned to put people in grades. But this one is rich. This one, no get money. Do you understand? And so what Paul was doing was this. So. Oh, thank you, Lord. So Paul did this. He was bringing them into unity and teaching them how to treat other believers. And so even if you're a Jew and used to have superiority over Gentiles, used to feel like we're the ones that know God. You know those kind of people now? We're the ones that know God. Don't know them. We will know God. You don't know, <laughs> you don't know God. You know? So even if you used to be that way, he says by the time you guys come together, you guys need to think differently about yourselves. And so he had to teach them that. So that there's no more Jew and Gentile rancor. And he, he taught them well. And then he instructed them in that direction. And then he also taught them how to accommodate people's growth process. Do you know in the church we don't know how to do that thing? You can't accommodate someone's growth process. This is why there's so much pretense in the church. So, this thing I'm teaching you today eh, is a message you need that you walk in the power of God with strong emphasis on the demonstration of the Spirit. You do not back down because there are demon activities. You know the power you have, you use it. You are not scared of confronting any situation, you face it. Because you are not fighting. You've won. You command the Spirit to leave. And they, they don't burn them well to stay. That's the mentality to have because that's the power you have. Number two, people with frailties, you handle them well. You see, you see the weak among you as the people that God is strengthening. You understand? As God's strong people. You, 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 you demonstrate more grace to them. I think it's funny that in the church, those that are strong, we demonstrate grace to them. Those that are weak, we don't demonstrate grace to them. It's like, imagine a hospital where if you are sick, they will send you, go and call your doctor, go and tell your doctor that it's time for your injection. Then the people that are strong are the ones that, I think that's even what we do small now. When you go and visit someone that is sick, all the bad, especially if your sibling is sick and is on admission, then they bring food. Just, you eat the banana. You know, they must always bring banana, they must bring orange. 
They must bring bread. They must bring that flask, that hot water flask for the person. When we're growing up, they must bring Ribena. <laughs> All those things. You know, so, it, it would not make sense that the person that is sick is the one you send on all the errands. That's what the person you expect the most from. So when people are weak in the church, you demonstrate grace to them like never before. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. It's not, it's not that I'll show you grace more. There's a limit to how much. You know that people that talk like that. God's grace. There's a way you can. Mm-mm-mm. He told him, my grace. You, I know the extent you need. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. He said, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Demonstrate grace to people that need grace. Demonstrate love to people that need love in your church. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You demonstrate love. Look at it. He says in verse 14. Please change my mic. He says in verse 14. For he himself is what our peace. Who has made the two groups one. And has destroyed the barrier. The dividing wall of hostility. He says, you Jews, you guys think that you are high. You are the ones close to God. You are the ones that have the promise. Remember I talked about the promise on Sunday. You are the ones that have the promise. You are the ones that are close. The Gentiles are far. You have a superiority in your relationship with God. You feel like you are the one superior to God. To people in relationship to God. He said, Christ is our peace. He has broken that wall of division. Listen to me. Can, I, can you hear me in this church? No, whoever you think, ah, this one is up there. I told you, closure is what? Closure is what? It's a gift. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Closure is what? There's no high up there. Access, all of us have access. Obviously, because of duty, do you understand? The Lord would put someone over you as your pastor. Do you understand? And because of oversight sake, there are privileges with oversight. Do you understand? But don't come and feel like we, we are the ones that are close to God. You are not close to God. Alayo, all of us have access. He said, by setting aside in his own flesh the law. This is so beautiful. He told you that Jesus set aside in his own, by his own flesh the law with all his commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two making peace. And in one body he reconciled both them through the cross. To God through the cross. He says, by which he put to death the hostility. He came and preached peace to those who are far and to those who are near. You know, I read this scripture um, on Sunday. I read where Paul took it from on Sunday. Verse 18. He said, For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Glory to God. Say, I have access to the Father. Say, you have to do this and climb this and do this and fast for seven days before you have access. Now, lie. He says, Through him. 
There's nothing God is hiding from you. He says, through him, you have access to the Father by one spirit. Now, Paul begins to emphasize the oneness of what we have as a faith. He says, we have access by one spirit. He says, consequently, you are no longer foreigners or strangers, but you are fellow citizens with God's people. And also members of his household. Listen, even if it was today, you left cultism. He said, we are now members of his own household. He said, built on the foundation of apostles and prophets, and Christ himself is covenant soul. He says, in him, the whole body is joined together and rises as and become the holy habitation of God. He says, in him, at, you two are being built together to become the dwelling place of his spirit. He says, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of the Gentiles, surely as I have heard of the, uh, you have heard of the administration of grace that has given to me, the revelation of the mystery, as I have written, he says, as you read, you would understand... I want to skip because there's a whole lot we can talk about. But, well, <laughs> we don't have the time. Let me see how far I can read. Oh, glory to God. Go to verse chapter 4. It says, For as a prisoner of the Lord, I therefore urge you to live a life worthy of your calling that you received. He said, Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing one another in love. And so he emphasizes on love. He says, Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Make every effort. Don't say this one is a Gentile. He says, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirits. That one spirit we have that has brought us into adoption. Make every effort. It means there are things that people will do. They are like, ah, these Gentiles, they don't understand the ways of God. He says, you make every effort to keep that unity. Look at the next verse. He says, there is one body one spirit, just as we've been called into one hope, when we're called, it says there's one Lord, there's one faith, there's one baptism, there's one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. He's walking through everybody, he's in everybody, he's over everybody. We have one Father. So if it's a believer, he's a brother. You make every effort to be at peace with them. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It means there's a different approach. Some years ago, I think about two years ago, the Holy Ghost said this to me. He says, we are predisposed to forgiving family members. Let me explain what it means. Have your family members ever offended you and you said, look, this is the end. This person, look, that's the end of the story. In fact, some of you have decided, I'm going to run away one day. <laughs> you are running away today. <laughs> But it's family. Somehow, the person might never have begged you. Just <laughs> give me my food. Let's eat. Just steal the person's meat. The person will beg. Say what? Didn't you annoy me before? Just take, be very careful with me. And then that's the end of the matter. We are predisposed to forgiving family members. 
we've been called to one family. We must be predisposed to forgiving members of the body of Christ. Doesn't matter what they do. Are you hearing what I'm saying? One spirit, one baptism, one Lord. I told you that the burden of proof is on the strong, right? Meaning, you know the way when somebody does something. Like, let's go back to that situation. Or, no, let me use an illustration. John chapter 8, the woman caught in the very act of adultery. You know if he was in church today, when she comes, you, you just, even the way she would dress, you know she was the former woman caught in the act of adultery. She has to dress like she has repented. Do you understand? The way she would dress, you know that, ah, this one, she has repented. Then she sits close to your husband, Wala. <laughs> she cannot. She has to sit. Then she will be in units like sanctuary units. She joins choir. You know this one has not really repented. Just come and lead you to where? They will not allow her now. Then, it's worse if she wants to even show that she has repented. She now gives testimony. <laughs> so I was formerly, praise the Lord, I used to be, I'm the woman that was caught in the very heart, but since that day I give glory to God. Every morning I wake up, I read my Bible, I do devotion, I read the book of the week on like you people, I um, listen to the sermon of the week. <laughs> Then they'll just use to God be the glory. Go and sit down your seat. <laughs> then she has to prove herself before we can now say, okay, she'll be in service unit for like eight months. Maybe you offering ushering unit. You never carry basket, oh, never. It's better they start passing the basket from the back. Everybody, the last person to come and drop it here than for them to give her. Then everybody will not be looking at her somehow. It's worse when people want to even show her love. How are you? I hope those things are no more. <laughs> then, if it's today, it's even worse. So just, just snap it her. Post it after service. The woman, the, the former woman caught in out of adultery is in her church. Yeah. Yes. God changes lives in our church. We just make it awkward for the person. Then people will be greeting you, and you already know. They'll be greeting you normal greeting, but you are even sharing them saying, you are hearing conversations like, ah, some, some looks, I even give you gist. Just, you just enter and sit down. Don't just here. We cannot see people through the lens of grace. Remember what I taught you on Sunday. He drowned your sins and crushed them under his feet. They are non-existent. Glory to God. I said they are non-existent. You practice seeing people that way. Can you need a practice? Remember I told you that the most difficult part. How many of you remember when I taught you this thing? The most difficult part is when you look at them. Your eyes will tell the whole story. You know when they say the eye is the window to the soul. So you can be saying, oh, glory to God. You know, you are the righteousness of God. Glory to God. I'm so happy. We are brothers. Nothing, nothing they happen. But your eyes is where the condemnation is. Have you seen people that cannot look you in the eyes when they are feeling guilty? Yes. But your eyes can also draw them and show them love. 
Some of you understand. Oh, some of you are single. I don't understand. <laughs> Praise the Lord. When you walk on it, the people, the person will look at you in the eye and not feel condemned. See, this person is as righteous as I'm righteous. In fact, no record. There's no, there's no past. What? It's not the woman that was. There's no sin like that. It's not ex- he crushed it. Glory to God. It's a practice. One family. Let me tell you something. This is one of the things that has made people leave the church the most. Yes. People are badly hurt. They don't even want to. There's an article I wrote. Love. When is the article coming out? You guys told me to write. Tomorrow. Okay. So I'll keep this suspense like There's an article I wrote. To, 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 to be continued. <laughs> Hallelujah. So I refuse to condemn people. I may conduit of the love of God. I demonstrate his love wherever I go. So that's very important. That's very, very important. So I'll give a recap of the things we've spoken about today. And um, we can go. We learned that there's power at work in us. So I'm not scared to discern if a demon spirit is responsible for a situation. Do you understand? I'm not scared to discern if a demon spirit is responsible. What I keep doing in the interim is that I'm praying that prayer we saw in Ephesians chapter 1. That the eyes of my understanding is flooded with light. That I'm able to know the incomparably great power at work in me. But you practice, you listen, you, you, you have to think about it. There's great power. There's power, there's great power. Then there's incomparable great power. Meaning when I speak, he doesn't, he, he's not able to contest because it's our power sin. So when I speak to the devil, he cannot contest because this power outpasses him. So he has to move. That's the power I have. And so you have to pray it, you have to meditate on it, you have to think on it. Next thing is this. Um, Ephesians chapter 3, he begins to pray again for them. I almost skipped that. Because the next thing we talked about is love. You have to love people. You have to see them as who God sees them as. We cannot judge them by what they did. Do you get what I'm saying? And you don't love in awkward, awkward ways. Listen. Listen. Many people like to love as a reflex. Not as a culture. So, let suicide rate just increase. Everybody becomes therapist. If you want to talk, you can talk to me. If you want to, you can confine. What is wrong? It's not. It, it doesn't work. You must love as a culture, not as a reflex. You practice checking up on people. I'm going to teach you on love in the months to come. I can't remember what month, but I'm going to teach you on love. You have to learn how to love people. Do you understand? But in the interim, what you can do is you can pray. Look at what Paul said in verse 14 of Ephesians chapter 3. He said, For this reason I bow my knees before God, 
from whom the for every family in heaven and earth derives his name. He says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he strengthens you through his spirit in your inner man. Now, this is the first point we talked about. We are strengthened. You are able to just stand even against adversity. You are able to just stand in that power you have. He prays for that. He said, you are strengthening your inner man. There's not that inner energy. I told you it's a reflex. So, when something that should make you afraid comes, you just, you're just bold. You're strengthened from inside. So, you pray that, alright? And then he says, so that Christ may dwell in your heart by faith. He says, I pray that you be rooted and established in love. So this is the next thing. You pray that you are rooted and you are established in love. You have firm in love. Listen, it's an ability of your spirit. It means it's from your spirit it comes out. Many people are trying to love as a, as, 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 as a duty, as an assignment. No. It should come out like that. When a situation happens, it should come out. Spiritual growth is what? Sorry? It's a miracle. He walks it in you. So, listen, maybe you're thinking, I mean, there's a way I used to love. Can I tell you something? You can grow. When did I talk about spiritual growth? Was it this Sunday? Or the Sunday before? Okay. So, you can grow. And that's, can I tell you something? You would only realize you've grown in retrospect. So you just suddenly realize, oh my God, I didn't know I could love this much. I'm now loving this much. I didn't know I could accommodate. I'm now accommodating. So many of us, and this is different between spiritual growth and resolution. Many of us have said, oh, this is your resolution. But he wants to do it through you. And that's what we are doing this year. So that you are able to grow. Listen, this is a different year. And you have to take it that way. And so you are praying that you are rooted and established in love. So maybe there is a way you have been loving before. And you are cool and it was good. But you can grow. So he's going to, what is going to walk in through you, you just look back and realize, oh my God, I'm doing more than I used to do. It's a year of more, right? I'm doing more than I used to do. But it's prayer. So we read last week where Paul said, through your prayers and the provision of the Spirit, I know I'll be delivered. What it means is this. What God wants to do in you, there are two things that will happen. Through prayers and the working of the Spirit in you. So, this reflex, they are able to stand in faith, they are able to stand strong against opposition, against demon spirit, is a working of the Spirit in you. So, through prayers and that working of the Spirit. Now, as you pray, the workings of the Spirit are accentuated. Now, you know what to pray. Just that, beyond praying in tongues, you pray these things. Then, even with love, as you pray that you are rooted, I'm rooted, I'm established in love, through that prayer, and the provision of the Spirit, you realize you are growing in love. Alright? So, those are the two things. But he keeps on going and he says, that Christ will dwell in your heart by faith, you will be rooted and established in love. He says, verse 19, to know the love that surpasses knowledge. And then in verse 20, he says, of um, Ephesians chapter 3, he says, unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above what you can ask or think. We've talked about power, we've talked about love, he says he's able to do beyond it. So he takes it even higher than what you would have thought. Praise the Lord. So, those are the things that we have learned today. We're going to take two questions, if they are, we're going to worship God, we're going to pray, take our offerings and we'll go. Any questions?
Is it my writing? Okay. Take the mic. So I want you to play on the keyboard. Just very soft. Alright. Quickly, quickly, we're out of time. You said that the love is not a reflex. Like it's a culture. Then you said. Actually, said we shouldn't love as a reflex, but as a culture. Okay. Then you said the power is a reflex. No. Let me explain what I mean. So. There are people that love as a reflex. Meaning, after that situation, no more love. Do you understand? But there are people that in season and out of season, they love. When, meaning on a normal day, not something doesn't have to happen. Do you understand? There are people that love you when you are nice to them. There are people that can still love you even when you hurt them. But there are people where you are happy, when you hurt them, normal day they love. It's culture. Yes. So we should love as a culture, not as a reflex. Do you understand? Some people love when you hurt them to prove that I'm good. I'm, I'm not. Do you understand? Then the power of God also. Make it your culture, not a reflex. It means that you can disdain spirits and demon activities and the activities of God on a normal day. Not just when there's a mighty season, when you know that, ah, you know that there are some, you just know that God is doing something. Some people, that's only when they can prophesy. Then some, when even normal people can know that the devil is responsible for this situation, that's when them, they can descend. But you should be able to descend when things are, you know, when you can easily pray, you can easily fast, you have to descend. When it's tough to pray, when it's tough to fast, you have to descend. And then in normal days, Every other Ramadan, they should be able to descend. Alright. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Pray another talk right now. It's time to use the things you've learned. You take from within you, you put upon you. This is time to be sensitive. This is not just time to pray as an activity. Take from inside of you, stir up that anointing on your inside. normal situations, you are able to stay yourself up. Are you staying yourself up this evening?